Hello. Hi. How are you? Welcome to, uh, I guess, the official first episode of Calm Before the Score, a podcast just of a couple of dudes trying to help you not lose as much money betting on sports. I am one of your hosts, Matt Enders, along with my co-host, Brian Highland. Brian, how are you? How are things? Heidi ho Good. How are you, Matt? Good. Can't complain. Uh, you know, we're recording this Thursday night. The Eagles are on right now, and they look not great. Offense looks all right. But uh, turnovers and then missed kicks and, you know, coming out at the half, it's 10-7. It should be about, you know, at least 16-7. Yeah. That, uh, while, we're, while we're on the topic of the Eagles, let's just quick touch on that Carson Wentz red zone INT. Yeah, I mean, and, we, can just, um, we can keep it moving. We don't have to talk just, about it. It's just, fine. Just really, you know, just got to ask yourself, what in the world was he thinking? What, what did he see? What, what was Carson Wentz seeing on that play when he saw – at least three Giants defenders, and I believe Hightower. He yeah, thought it was Hightower. He, he thought you know what he's going to win that jump ball over three Giants defenders. Well, everyone knows Wentz likes throwing the ball into defensive meeting rooms currently, but I think somehow Wentz in his head thinks when he throws the ball out of bounds, the Giants get a point. So I think he was just looking out for his team. Didn't want to cost many points. Didn't want to give the Giants that additional point by th- in his mind throwing it out of bounds. So he decided, yeah, picking the end zone better than that. So that's the only explanation. That's the only explanation I have. Unless he tried to throw it out of bounds and missed. But how do you miss throwing the ball? That's out of bounds? a that that'd be a bad miss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how you can miss throwing the ball out of bounds. So that has to be it. Is that he thought he could squeeze that thing in there and didn't? Because you can't you can't loft a pass up in the air in order to squeeze it into a tight spot. Yeah, that was a that was yep. a, that was a wild play. That was a he I was he, shocked. <laughs> That, yeah, and then just before the half there, they had, you know, first and 10, like the 12. And not, not the, I don't have a problem with every pass going into the end zone, but every pass went to the back of the end zone. Like there's a full 10 yards. Don't just have to use the one right at the back, you know? Absolutely. And they had two timeouts. 20, there was 30-some seconds left. You 20, yard, 20 yard passes through the air. Everyone knows those are the easiest passes to complete in the NFL. The easiest touchdowns are just toe taps right at the baseline. Everyone knows that. All right. So moving past the NFC least, um, a lot of kind of moves and trades. It's kind of started happening this week. And I guess last week sort of um, with Lev Bell, kind of the first big piece to move. Uh, but, you know, we just found out today on Thursday, you know, Yannick Ngakwe was traded from um, Minnesota to Baltimore, which is interesting, I think, because Baltimore's defense, you know, they played the Eagles last week. They hit Carson Wentz 16 times. So you'd think, if anything, that D-line, probably fine. Then they had a guy who already has five sacks and two forced fumbles in six games. So that's – I mean, the rich getting richer. Yeah, exactly. I think it's I think it's a situation where the rich get richer, and it's a situation where they have Matthew Yondon. Judon. Judon. Judon? 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 Judas? Judon? <laughs> um, yeah, however you uh, pronounce his last name, we Something we're talking like about the, we're talking about the same guy. Anyways, same they have they they have him, and I think um, Yannick is just going to basically they're both on franchise tags right now, Yondon and Yannick, and I think. They're just going to probably, you know, give the long-term deal to Yannick. He's younger. He's yeah. produced better in that um, pass-rushing role. And 
you know, they picked up Patrick Queen out of LSU in the draft last year. And I think it's just kind of, you know, if you can get a top end pass rusher for a third round pick, then you do it basically. Uh, I agree. And then, so uh, Ngakwe from uh, the, the Baltimore area went to Maryland um, when he kind of wanted out of Jacksonville in the off season, Baltimore is always the spot he wanted to go. So good for him for find, you know, finding his way there. I mean, the Vikings gave up a two and a five for him, and then they got back a three and a five. So I mean, like you know, they got six games out of him. So they really didn't lose that much. Yeah, well, in I mean, hindsight. They, they, well, I mean, they lost in just a early, second, second they, to a third, but well, yeah, but they lost an early two to a late third. So I mean, they lost they lost a good yeah, bit of draft capital. But they didn't know that was going to be a high second like when that. they traded it. I think they well, thought yeah, that, that I, second round pick was going to be late. Yeah, I also don't think they expected to be as bad as bad as they have been. And I think part of it is um, Hunter is going out on IR with season-ending back surgery. So yeah, it was just kind of a move where it's just like, okay, rather than just letting him walk in the offseason, let's try to recoup some of our losses. Right. There's really no reason right. to keep him on the team. Um, he's probably not – probably told them that he wasn't going to resign there you'd have to imagine or else they would have probably tried to keep him you know you don't really trade someone if he's like okay yeah i'll resign in this in the summer um so i think it was right. a, I think it was a good move by talent. the vikings i mean they got their they got their money's worth of that second round pick i mean look at them they're just been incredible this year and you know it was a it was a great move by them i mean what more can you ask for a one in five starts i mean they're right where they're, they're right where they want to be <laughs> You had me for a split second. For a second, you had me. Um, yeah, but I think Yannick's the first domino to fall here in these trades, which are, I'm kind of interested in because Whoa, of okay. Verona. I guess you didn't see the Jordan Willis trade, the Jets' four-string edge rusher for a sixth-round pick. So let's – not that the first was... domino, the second domino, but go Okay. On. All right. I My apologies. Um, yeah, so I, I'm interested in – because the last couple of years, the trade deadline has been hot. Whereas in the, you know, the past, you know, couple of years before, yeah, probably five, six, seven years ago, not so much going on, but it seems like the last three or four really kind of been, things have been happening. It felt more like the NBA trade, the trade deadline. Um, but I guess with, you know, with the Rona and all that, I'm interested in, in how willing teams are going to be to bring in new guys. Because when you trade for somebody, they still have to they have to pass tests. They have they still have to quarantine for a couple of days. I think it's like six days. So like if you trade somebody on a Sunday, or trade for somebody on like a Monday, that Sunday game, I don't think that they're eligible to play in. Well, I think so. Well, well that I, I think could throw a lot of teams, teams off. Try to do is kind of what the the Ravens did here. Is the Ravens are on their bye this week, so they have that grace period where he that can buffer. come in. He can you know go through. COVID protocol and then be ready for their, their following game. And he gets a little bit of time to practice. So he'll basically come in and, you know, go through the protocol in the first week when they're on a buy and then come in and when they're starting to prep for their um, week eight opponent. That makes, I, yeah, I didn't think of that, but that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So you then, so you think then teams who are on their buy, those are the teams are probably going to be a little more more, in a little more aggressive, you know, a little in, trying trying to make trades during that time and maybe they you know get stuff lined up and 
basically pull the trigger whenever they enter into their buy. Or I think, you know, I, I honestly don't think there will be too many big names on the move um, before the deadline. I mean, I think besides really the Jets, no teams in like a fire sale mode, no teams really like just getting rid of players and, you know, looking like they're just get it fire selling their team. So I think, I, I, I think, we're going to be surprised with how little uh, goes on with the trade deadline. It is. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of rumors that have come out. I don't think a lot of it's going to happen. Like it came out uh, this afternoon that the Eagles were reportedly actively shopping Ertz before he had an ankle sprain last week. <laughs> and yeah, as an Eagles fan, you know, everyone loves Zach Ertz. Everyone understands what he's done for the team. We wouldn't want a Super Bowl without him and all that. But he's not getting younger. It feels like he's getting worse. You know what I mean? He, if I'm the GM of the Eagles, I think it's time for him to go. I mean, he wants a contract extension, which he's going to want to be one of, if not the highest paid tight ends, like of all time. The Eagles already going into the next season are $65 million over the cap. That's assuming the cap stays the same. And we all know the cap's going to go down because the revenues have gone down. So they don't have the money. There's a legit argument to make that Dallas Goddard is better, I think, at this point. Bigger, stronger, faster, can block better. His hands, I would say, probably not as good of like a natural catcher. But other than that, I think Goddard's better in every sense of the, you know, every sense of the word. I mean, yards after catch, it's undeniable. That guy catches the ball and falls over. Dallas Goddard can at least break a tackle or two and keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, what's what's Ertz's contract looking like? Is he under contract into next season, or is this the last year of his deal? Because I think that will really kind of be the determining factor. You know, he wants obviously he wants a contract extension, but if he's not in the last year of his deal, then the Eagles really don't have to do anything. You know, they can kind of just sit and wait and say, okay, we can deal him in the off season or we can wait and see what he comes back like. And I think like you said, he's out right now with an injury. So teams aren't going to be as willing to give up draft capital um, without seeing him come back and kind of get back to that level that we're accustomed to with him. Um, Right. Um, Ertz is signed through next season. So he's signed to stay with the Eagles through 2021. Uh, Next year, his cap hit, though, is almost $12.5 which is a lot for a guy that's going to be 30 who feels like has about four catches this season and just can't seem to stay on the field or get in rhythm or – I don't know. But I think there's a team out there like New England that – Second-round pick, how you doing? Keep him moving, you know? Yeah, very well could see him get moved in the offseason. Um, I don't know. I think I, I still think he has a lot of good football left in him. You know, you, you talk about Ertz and, you know, how he's kind of fallen off. I mean, Dallas Goddard, has he played a full season in his entire NFL career? It, it's only year three. I know things I, I aren't mean, I mean, picture perfect. <laughs> oh, okay, so that's but a no. It's yeah, but it's not like he's missed 14 games one year, missed 13 games the next. I mean, this is the first time he's missed legitimate time. But 
Right, and Ertz is – he's not as bad as it feels like I'm painting him out to be because he does have a lot of playing time, a lot of game left in him. But the Eagles are just – their cap situation is a nightmare. And yeah, but I, I, I think I, I, that he's going to be one of the cap cash. Right, if the Eagles didn't have a cap issue and they could resign him and extend him, that's fine. It's I more – for me, it's more of a business issues. decision than anything else. You hear about teams having cap issues every year, and it's like going into this year, everyone was like, oh, the Rams are in cap hell. And then they gave the biggest contract to a defensive back to Jalen Ramsey, and they gave out like three other contracts. And it's like, okay, what what is cap hell? Like, okay, they're over the cap. Um, I but, think the Rams are cheating. So, so there's no way like, you can but, sign all of those players to those highs. They just had Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. To thirteen and fourteen million dollars a year deals. Exactly. I don't so, know. I don't know where this money's coming from. But, but it's, isn't that also going to have? Isn't that also Roseman's thing? Isn't that Roseman's like? Isn't that what he's known yeah, for? But, is being able to maneuver yeah, the cap and being able to mill is a lot more than just sliding a couple things around to make it here and there. Freeing up sixty-five mil to be under the number is. I mean, you're looking at, you know, well, six players making over ten million a year, which is I mean it's a lot of good pieces that are just going out the door. Um so I mean I don't know. The Eagles are in a bad spot. But Oh, I mean, did you just you see that Daniel Jones play? <laughs> yeah, where he got he got caught by the turf monster. What in the world was that? <laughs> I mean he he made Eli look athletic there. I mean good for him running for like 80 yards I mean, on the play when he gets it about the run 20. And then, like, when he gets about the 20, he just there was no forgets one how to run. There was no one near him. How do you fall? I, I, I've never – I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's – I mean, I've I'm, never not a, moved I'm not fast. a big runner, but I've never been at a sprint on grass and then it's for no reason face plant. Yeah, I guess it's like – I don't know. I'm assuming it's just because I, I physically cannot run fast enough that, like, <laughs> I can't get up to a speed where I just, like, fall over. But it's like – you see something like that, and it's like, how do you just that guy fall is, over? That guy is a first-round pick, professional athlete, and he falls down just running down the field. He's just like, what, he's leaning too far forward? What are we doing here? I, that's, I don't know, that's embarrassing. Speaking of embarrassing, the Las Vegas Raiders and their O-line corona situation is just – Pathetic. Trent Brown in particular. There's, you know, a picture video of him just not wearing a mask in the facility. Every player is wearing a tracker so they know who they've – so the NFL and the team knows who they've been around. So if somebody gets it, they know who to contact in order to tell them that you got a quarantine, you're at a risk, whatever, whatever. And he – just times where he's just not wearing it. So because of that, the Vegas Raiders had to send their entire offensive line home to quarantine and then get retested – because you can't trust Trent anymore. And it's a uh, selfish move, and it takes all of us. Yeah, it does take all of us, but it's also important to remember that Vegas is kind of a lawless town. And I, I kind of respect I mean, the move from a team. <laughs> I mean, like, if it's going to be a team, I want it to be the Vegas Raiders. Like, if it's like – That's true. If, if, it, it if, it's the, like, if it's like a good Midwest team, like the Indianapolis Colts, and it's, like, it's, Colts. Like, it's, like, it's like Quentin Nelson's doing that. It's like, come on, dude. It takes all of us. It's it's Vegas. They're like Trent, Trent Brown's like, it's Vegas, guys. Like, come yeah, on, there's there's no rules. Trent Brown's like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna put on my tracker while I pound down this 
32 ounce hurricane walking down the Vegas strip? I don't think so. I don't want them to know what I'm up to. That's true. If it is a team, at least it's Vegas, but like, come on, a little situational awareness. I mean, what are we doing here? No, I mean, it's, it, it, it's definitely, it's definitely stupid. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just, it's just funny. You know, a guy, it's also funny with Trent Brown because he's a guy that comes from New England and it's like. That's you, not the I, Patriot I, way. Exa- well, exactly. And I also feel like that's like something that like you get out of Bill Belichick's aura and you get out of his like, you know, strict rigid rules and Trent Brown's just like, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to wear a tracker on yeah. in Vegas. It's like, like I'm gonna, kids like, in college, I'm wear they got strict parents. And then all of a sudden they feel that freedom of freshman year. And then, you know, week three, they got to get their stomach pumped. Mm-hmm. Same sort of situation. Exactly. Um, all right. So kind of moving along with that uh, Raiders bucks was supposed to be Sunday night football, but because of the possible Rona, that game gets bumped to four o'clock. I think in case they have to cancel that NBC doesn't want to be stuck with no game. So in replace of that, they moved Seattle at Arizona. And this is where we're going to start getting into our picks here. Uh, Seattle's at Arizona. Arizona's plus three and a half at home, which is interesting because normally I love some home dogs, especially more than a field goal. But in this matchup, the last 11, the road team is 9-1-1 one, and one against the spread, which, if you ask me, is astounding. Um, also, with this game moving to Sunday night in prime time, Russell Wilson is 14-2 and two straight up in prime time. Do you think so, we'll be waiting all day for this matchup? Oh, yeah. Waiting all day. So, because of those two things, I, I, I don't I, – I really, with all my heart, wanted to find a way to take Arizona plus three and a half here. But I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. I mean, six of the last eight games in this matchup have been decided by three or less. So Seattle minus three and a half would not meet that trend. And one of those that didn't meet was Arizona blew them out. So that's, that kind of frightened me, but I think, I think I have to take Seattle minus three and a half in Arizona. That's, that's my first pick. That's pick number one for me is Seattle minus three and a half. So I, I, I like that pick. I, I can't get a read on Arizona. I, I really, I really can't. It's like, I think they're they're sitting at four and two, but it's like anytime they play a competent opponent, they lose. And right. like they've the only wins that they've had have been against like crap teams. It's like, yeah, they blew out the yeah, Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Okay, great. They blew out the New York Jets. Like, okay. Like they were they were two and two before that, and they had just lost their previous two to actually competent opponents i don't know i don't know their schedule yeah, i don't have it in front of me either but yeah they lost yeah teams so they the, should beat they beat teams they've lost to they should lose to yeah and i think this is going to be another situation like that it's like okay the seahawks are favored and they're the better team and they're going to win this game and they're probably going to cover the spread Okay, yeah, their previous games were, okay, not even competent opponents. They lost to the Lions and, and the, the Panthers. The Panthers. So it's like. So they stink. 
Yeah, it's like I I, I can't get a read. Oh, Kyler Murray completed nine <laughs> passes last week against what's what on on paper at least is the worst defense of all time in Dallas. He was nine for like twenty five, which not, normally nine, doesn't win you. Nine for twenty four, one eighty eight, and two touchdowns. Right, normally it's, nine it's, completions doesn't win you anything, but I mean, like four of them were like seventy yard bombs, so that kind of helps. But yeah, if you go nine for twenty four against that woeful Cowboys defense, I have a hard time picking you. Granted, Seattle's defense not good either, but I I feel a little I feel a little better about Seattle's defense in that situation. Plus, this game is going to be a shootout, and Russ, I love. Russell Wilson shootouts. Yeah, and I think, I think, you know, the Cowboys weren't really able to exploit the fact that Chandler Jones wasn't in the Cardinals lineup, right. and I think the Seahawks will be able to. And I think I love the Seahawks matchup on the outsides. I mean, DK Metcalf has been the probably the best receiver in football this year. Tyler Lockett has been that. absolutely incredible. He wants to catch incredible. them all like Pokemon. Yeah, Chris. Chris Chris Carson running the rock. I mean, I I really do think Seattle is one of the one of the best teams, if not the best team, in the league right now. And yeah, I, I love the pick. I love I love Seattle minus three and a half. I think that's a I think that's an easy winner. Um, so me saying that it's probably going to lose, but of course. Uh, all right. So then, what all right, what game do you have next that you think is going to be a lock here? A lock. Okay. So. I mean, no, give something that you just feel okay about. I'm going to, I'm going to give you something that I'm like so lukewarm about that it is like, it's like I'm sitting my own pee right now. So (laughs) we're going to, we're going to jump over to the Dallas at Washington football team. Also, I don't like it when the TV abbreviates Washington football team WFT, because I always read it as what the fuck. And I'm like, right, correct, of course. Whoa, come on, guys, let's get. Well, I mean, when you look easy. at that situation there in Washington, that's basically what's going on. So it it is in fact fitting. So maybe that should be their team name. Yeah, the Washington so, the fucks. So I know how bad Dallas looked last week against the Cardinals, and I know how correct. bad Andy Dalton looked. But I think it's also too important to remember that the Washington football team hasn't won since Week One, where they had just. An absolute lucky comeback against the Eagles. We don't have to talk about it. Keep it moving. And then, and then, but every other game, it's like they've lost. And if they get down, I, I said this. I said this last week, or I said this uh, maybe two weeks ago in my blog. When the Washington football team gets down by two scores late in the game, Ron Rivera just gives up. He's just like, oh no, I'm giving up. I'm not. I'm not going for it. Like I'm not. I'm not going for it on fourth down. I, you know, I don't want to have to deal with trying to kick an onside kick. So. I really think Dallas will be able to handle them in this one. Um, I think Andy Dalton will be able to play at least marginally better than he did. Um, he definitely can't play worse. Against the Cardinals. Exactly. He can't play worse. And I don't expect Zeke to fumble the ball in two straight possessions. And I think that's I mean, going to be – I think that's going to be something that will really help out the Cowboys. <laughs> I agree. Before um, last game, before that Monday nighter, Zeke's career high for fumbles in a season was three. With uh, last Monday's performance, he had two, which brought his total for the year to five, I believe. 
So it's not like fumbling's always been a problem for him. I think that was a little bit of a fluke. I think he knew he was going to get the ball a lot, a little overexcited, maybe hold the ball a little tighter than normal, and that caused him to kind of to lose him. But I agree. But also with that line, it's Dallas. It depends on where you're looking at it. Because I have on FanDuel, I have Dallas minus one, which so I, I think as well. But you have it on the Barstool app as Dallas plus one. Yeah, I got a Dallas. If you can plus find one. Dallas getting points, you got to take that thing. I think ten out of ten times. Yeah, and, and even if you're um, even if you're not thrilled with the odds, because I got it a plus one at minus one twenty. If you want to buy an entire point and just pick Dallas money line, I think that's that's an easy win too. I think yeah, Dallas wins this game. I think they win it by three. I mean, I thought the line was going to be Dallas minus three. I was floored to see the Washington football team favored in an NFL game in 2020. I was absolutely floored. The Jets and the Washington football team should not be favored against any opponents. You probably throw the Jaguars and the Lions in that too. Anytime yeah. one of those teams is getting points, you pick the other team. Go the opposite way. Yes. Anytime or give you get it. Yeah. Um, all right. Next game that I'm interested. I think this is going to be potentially the best game of the week. Personally, is Steelers at Titans. Titans minus one and a half. This game just has grounded pound. So you, you want you want to hear right here a quick stat about this game? It. Give it to me. Quick stat about this game. I'll give it to you. <laughs> this is the fifth time that two undefeated teams are meeting in week seven or later. In the previous four matchups, the winner of that game has went on to make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, so, t- talk t- about implications. <laughs> things are on the line here. And so I – my first off, my pick off the jump is Steelers plus one and a half in Tennessee. Let me tell you why. First well, off, Steelers Steelers in their last fifty are fifty last fifty games on the road. Steelers are 33-16 and one against this bread. So I love my stats. That's a good one to start off with. Also, this, the Titans defense is just bad. It looks like an old high school coach Billy Furlong defense from like 2016. Not well, good. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say their offense. I mean, the Titans run more power O's than Bill Furlong. And I agree. That is he saying does. something because that is, is the only play something. in Bill Furlong's playbook. So I, I concur. The thing about that though is that Taylor Lewan, the Titans left tackle, done for the year, and they loved running to his side. So I think that's I like I don't think that's gonna like blow the whole thing up. But I think that's really going to affect him, I think, more than people are realizing. Taylor Juan, pro bowler, you know, all-around animal of a human. Great tackle, but they, they're not going to be able to run to his side. And then the right side last year had Jack Conklin over there. He's now in Cleveland. So going into this week against the Steelers defense, especially that defensive line, which is phenomenal, I don't know how, you know, two basically new tackles – are going to hold up with the likes of Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward in the middle, and things like that. So because of those things, it I like I like Pittsburgh getting points, especially because their offense, their, both their offenses are good. Tennessee probably better, but Tennessee's defense is bad. Steelers' defense is probably the best in the league. So I just I like, and I'm getting points with yeah. It, so and the the Steelers have the, the number one rushing defense. Um, Bingo. They, have 
before last week against the the Eagles, I mean, they were giving up like 74 yards a game and they were able to contain Miles Sanders besides one long run. Um, Miles so Sanders had a 75-yard run and still didn't break 100 for the game. Yeah, so that, that rushing defense is just incredible with um, Stephon Tuitt, Cam Hayward, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt. Um, it might take a little bit of a dip with Devin Bush going out for the year. Right, but, that's, yeah, that's a big, that is a big loss for them. But I, I still think that that front line is going to be able to do enough, especially against uh, Taylor Lewandless Titans team. The one thing that worries me about the Steelers is Big Ben in a town known for drunk women on their bachelorette parties. A little bit dicey. A little bit dicey. Big Ben Ben has kicked that (laughs) habit. He told his church group. (laughs) Big Ben did say that he does not like playing in Tennessee, Uh, which uh, I have found uh, interesting. uh, I think we we figured out why. (laughs) Uh, You think? Big Ben deserves better than that. Come on. But you're not wrong. I mean, you wonder why he needed that new elbow. Probably not for throwing a football. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. All right. What's, what's the next game you got up? All right. Next game I got up, I'm going to go to – I'm going to go down south to Atlanta. I got Detroit at Atlanta, the premier matchup of the one – PM games. This is the one that everyone is going to have their dial turned to. The one that people are going to be tuning into. Um, Absolutely. And I like the under in this one. So the total Mm. is at 55. Yep. Um, Let's see. Three. What what is this? No, I have three of the last four matchups between these two teams have been decided by seven or fewer points. That's just a little Mm -hmm. fun tidbit. Doesn't have too much to do with the over, but just something (laughs) I wanted to throw in there. Um, I just, I don't think Detroit's offense is very good. I think it's hard to take an over in a Lions game. It's hard to take an over in a Lions game. They put up points against the Jags last week, but that's the Jags and. I mean, obviously the Falcons aren't much better, but I just think this is just going to be one of those games where it's like, you know, if you're watching the red zone during the 1 p.m. time slot, you know, you're going to get to the 4 p.m. games and you're going to go through on your your sports book and you're going to be like, oh my God, I didn't even see a single play from this Detroit Atlanta game because they'll probably be in the red zone a total of four times a piece. So yeah. I I just I just think this game screams under, especially at that at fifty five. I mean, fifty five is high. I thought the total was going to be closer to like fifty one. I I would have probably taken it anything. I would probably taken it fifty three and up. But at fifty five, I think the values there. I think that's a I think that's a good bet. Right. Unders last week were uh, is this over unders last week were ten and four. So after being heavy to the over um, the last, the first five, four or five weeks, the unders have really turned around unders. Um, this is a little tidbit for anybody listening, not it pertains to this game, but for all the games in general, unders last week were 10 and four unders were nine and two in outdoor games. So I know this doesn't apply because I think they're in Atlanta. Yeah. That's a Atlanta. dome, but other games around the league, keep in mind that, Unders last week, 10 and four outdoor games, nine and two. I mean, it seems like things are kind of starting to balance back out and figure it out. Cause I think weeks like one and two, the over was hitting like 80% of the time. 
So yeah, I it think was, it was, things it was are kind of starting. They're calling holding penalties again. That was a big thing the first couple weeks. But things I think are starting to kind of level out. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, you can't take an overall Alliance game. No, no, I'm not. You can't, I'm, I, I can't. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm all right with taking the under. And I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think you're right. The under is going to hit. But I'm all right with taking the under and losing. I'm more with that more than taking the over and losing. You take an over in a Lions game and you lose, if, if, you're if, just going to feel like an idiot. Because, of course, yeah, exactly. that loses. I mean, it's it, like it, taking the Browns minus three. Yeah, Even you, as good as the Browns may or might not be, if you lose that bet, you're going to feel like an idiot because you're taking the Browns getting points. Yeah, you, if you take that over and then, like, the game ends up being, like, 23-3 to three Atlanta, you're like, what What was I thinking taking that over? <laughs> I, who, 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 did I, who did I think I was? Exactly. I think this is, a, this, is a, this is a good for your soul, good for your heart bet. Where yeah, this is, even if it doesn't and, hit, you know you still made the right decision. Exactly. And that's that's what I like to to try to to do with my bets. I like to try to just be in the right. And you know, I it also helps that I always just always think I'm in the right. So regardless of what happens, I of can course. just convince myself that I made the right bet. But this is one where, you know, you, you bet the under, you're in the right. Even if the game goes over, don't let anyone tell you that you made the wrong bet. The under was the right bet. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel with my next game, which is uh, Green Bay against Houston. Green Bay is minus three and a half. And Aaron Rodgers does not have two bad games in a row. He did not play well in Tampa last week. I think everybody knows that. Green Bay coming off a bye has lost their last three straight up. So – in fact, they were getting points. Should have been a red flag. But Green Bay, after a loss against the spread in their last 10, are 10-0. and I think that's going to be 11-0. They're playing Houston. I, Aaron Rodgers is not, going to, is not going to not cover. You know what I mean? Houston is bad. They, they fired Billy O'Brien, which maybe rallied the troops a little bit for that first game then. But I, Houston stinks. They're gonna stink. They got. They're in a bad spot. Just give me Green Bay minus three and a half. Keep it moving. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like. I like that Green Bay pick. Um, they've never lost in Houston. Um, Bingo. So yeah, I like that. I mean, Green Bay at minus three and a half. Yeah, like you said. I think- to me, that should be minus. I guess because Aaron Rodgers looked bad and the the they got blown out last week, thirty eight ten. So I f- it feels like there's a little bit of a recency bias there. Yeah, I, I think but, it's a little bit of Texans looked good. They took the Titans to overtime. Green Bay looked horrible. Aaron Rodgers looked horrible against the Bucks. So it's like okay, then the Bucks though are top statistically. I think people don't realize that the Bucks are a top three defense in the league. It's probably Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Tampa Bay. Which Todd well, Bowles, former Jets head coach, your guy. Well, I, I was going to team. I, I was going to say, I think, I, I think the Jets should bring back Todd Bowles. I'm starting that com- campaign here. <laughs> the Jets should bring back Todd Bowles. They should fire Adam Gase, bring back Todd Bowles. He already has an understanding of the roster. He knows three of the players because the Jets have basically overturned their entire roster over the past three years. But he knows he knows the city. He knows, probably still got a condo out in Morristown by their facility. Exactly. He could probably he could probably get back in on that lease um i think I mean, I motown's think, a happening spot right I, by I, the facility I, I think he likes it there 
I think it just I think it just makes sense. Bring back Todd Bowles. I mean, he was just he he got a bad rap in New York just because he was a horrible head coach, just because his teams were completely undisciplined, just because his teams had no accountability and they blew fourth quarter lead after fourth quarter lead. You know, doesn't matter. We should just look back on <laughs> that stuff. And you know, while while I'm on the topic, I mean I'm obviously I'm joking. But to see people online being like, oh, man, Todd Bowles should get another shot as a head coach. Like, there are so many other coordinators who deserve a shot before Todd Bowles should get a second shot at coaching. He was bad. Like, he's a good coordinator. He's a good defensive coordinator. There's never been a doubt of that. He was a bad head coach. He made stupid decisions. I mean, he was, he was like punting from like the 40 down like 15. He's like, he made bad decisions. He didn't know how to put teams away. The Jets blew more fourth quarter leads over his four years I mean, let's, with the team. Time out. The Jets team. had a lead in the fourth quarter. What more do you, what more do you want from them? I, I want them to hold the fourth quarter lead <laughs> with Todd Bowles' defense, which is supposed to be, you know, what he's good at. He's supposed to be a defensive coach, and he can't hold a fourth quarter lead. I mean, there was a season where I'm pretty sure they blew seven fourth quarter leads. It was incredible. His team was undisciplined they were not good and the fact that we're like people online are like oh Todd Bowles let's let's get him another head coaching job no no let's stop it stop the bull crap uh, yeah I mean some people are just better at being coordinators because all that you're focused on is the defense or on the offense you're not worried about you know what the team meal's going to be what time the team's got to be you know ready for the flight you're focused on football and coaching football not all the little kind of things that people don't really think about some, you know, some coaches obviously are better than others at kind of handling those kinds of things. But there's some guys like uh, like Chuck Pagano in the D.C. for the Bears. You know, he was a Colts head coach. He did all right. You know, not bad. I, I wouldn't say great. But, you know, he gets to Chicago. And that defense the last two, three years has just been outstanding. And I think it's just because all he's focused on, like Todd Bowles, they're just focused on defense. They don't have to worry about everything else. It also helps with, you know, in Chuck Pagano's case that they have three all pros on the defensive side. And in Todd Bowles case, they have, you know, two all pros on the offensive side. It does help to go to just better rosters. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I was just sick and tired of hearing that. And another thing that I saw online that I like to get off my chest, everyone was talking about, you know, obviously we saw the news that Tua, got named starter in the Dolphins, and everyone's like, oh, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick, what a great guy to learn behind. What makes him a great guy to learn behind? Can someone tell me? What's so great about Ryan Fitzpatrick? What, 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 do you, what, what is do you he? Mean? Brain of a Harvard man? What has he shown in the past? What has he shown in the past? He gives you like, about six great weeks where it's like, where it's like Where it's like he comes in and he plays for six weeks, and then whenever the rookie comes in, that rookie comes in and he has just immense success. Seriously. Show me, show me where he's shown that in the past. He's never been like, oh man, like, like it's even, even when Tua came in, he wasn't like, oh, I'm so happy for Tua. Like, I'm so happy to, you know, so happy to be passing the torch. He was like, no, fuck Brian Flores, fuck Tua. Like, what are we doing here? Why, why do we like make up these stories in our head just because the guy's been on 57 teams? Like, does not mean experience. He knows what it takes to, to, he knows what it takes to fail. No, he doesn't. He knows what it takes to fail. He's never been successful. What are we talking about here? It's not like we're talking about like I mean, a, he's, like a, he's we're played not for nineteen a super- seasons. That's got to count for something. Oh, okay, great. He's played for nineteen seasons. That doesn't mean diddly dick when he when he doesn't win games. 
What are you talking about? It's, it doesn't matter how long you play for. You, he's, a, he's a loser. His teams lose. Don't you dare call Fitzmagic a loser. Has, has, has he ever been to the playoffs? national treasure, and you has will show been, him some damage. Has respect. he ever been to the playoffs? Probably not. Oh, okay. What do you mean? What are we talking about here? It's like, it's like, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, learning how to be a pro. Like, oh, just because he's been in the league doesn't mean he's good. Doesn't mean that he's a good mentor. When the Jets had him on he's the roster. He's a teacher. He's a teacher. Those that, a wise man once said, a wise man once said, those that can't do, teach. In, in what those that can't teach, teach Jim. He can't do, so he's educating the young guys. Everywhere he's gone, there's been a young guy after him. He teaches them what, what you got to do, how to study, how to do this, how to do that. But where has this storyline come from? Where has where this come from? Because there's been no track record of people that come in after him having this like immense success. He was with the Bills. Who came in after him with the Bills? I don't know. Tyrod Taylor? Led the, led the Bills to the playoffs for the first time since 1999. I don't know. Sounds I, I, pretty good. I don't, I don't think that was the transition. But that, that's, that's what For my argument, it certainly feels like that's the right situation here. That, that's, what I, that's what I want to know. It's like this storyline has come out of – it's basically come out of nowhere where it's like these like NFL reporters, like these Adam Scheffners and the – Schefters and the field Yates are like, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's, he's such a great teacher. He's such a great guy to learn behind. It's like, where is this story? Where is this storyline come from? Because there's been no track record of it over his entire career. So why are we just saying it now? What, because he's a Harvard grad? Because he's been in the league for 15 years? Like, where's this Bingo. coming from? Please, someone tell me. Doesn't make sense. Fuck you, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> you cost the Jets a playoff appearance. I mean... <laughs> I, 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 do you got anything else? Because I got nothing it. after that. Oh, that was it. All right, that feels to me like a great spot to end this first episode on. Um, to everybody listening, thanks. Uh, we're going to, you know, put this out once a week is kind of our plan. Just kind of in the beginning, you know, discuss kind of the, the, the hot topics, so to say, in the NFL and then kind of get into a couple, you know, three games or so a piece that, you know, kind of stuck out to us that we like a lot. If we're wrong, sorry, <laughs> you know, bet only as much as you're willing to lose. And if we're right, you know, at the end of the year, if you want to give us a little cut of your winnings, we'll accept that as well. So, so real, to real everybody. Quick, I, 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 well, real quick, before we sign off, I'd like to, I'd like to jump in and say, bet, bet more than your means. Always. It's <laughs> <laughs> horrible advice. That's horrible advice. But more we than all... your means based off of our bets. So I would just like to reiterate the picks I have. I have Dallas plus one. I have the under in the Detroit Atlanta game, and I have the over in the KC Denver game. Take out a second mortgage on your house, put it into a sports book, and bet it. Guaranteed. And I all right, got, That's all I got. <laughs> I got Pittsburgh plus one and a half, Seattle minus three and a half, Green Bay minus three and a half. Um, that being said, good luck and I, I don't know. Have fun. Don't good do luck. anything stupid. Good luck and good night. Well said. All right. See y'all.